0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network from across the stars. Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their ragtag crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a
1: galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and
0: sinister villains. From the Core Worlds to the Outer Rim and beyond, Buckle baby. It's about to get faster,
1: more intense. Hello there, and welcome back to Faster, More Intense, a Star Wars podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and I've got a special guest uh, returning. We've got Carl Leclerc from the Layer podcast.
0: Oh, so good to be back.
1: It is. It's good I, to have you back.
0: I plan to be so fast and so intense in this episode, yeah. you won't be able to keep up. <laughs> I,
1: I hope that that's true. I'm going to hold you to it. And if, if you don't meet my expectation, I'll, I'll let you and everybody listening know. Perfect. So, so. I
0: can always trust you to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're, we're All our cards are on the table here at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I We're going to talk about, uh, about our top... Uh, OT or really more rebellion era moments uh, on this episode, but uh, it kind of like we did uh, a couple weeks ago uh, with uh, with Samantha Cacho, We talked about our top prequel era moments, um, but before we get into that, we're just going to talk about a little bit of news. Uh, this actually dropped this morning as we as we're recording this, so I'm kind of we were actually supposed to record yesterday, but <laughs> we didn't. Uh, and i'm kind of glad that we didn't because yesterday there would have been no news it would have just been like eh, another week of no news news um but uh, but they just announced this morning that lego star wars is doing a holiday special it is coming out on November 17th life day uh, and <laughs> uh, and it is it's a sequel trilogy version of the holiday special um from from 1978 right so uh, it is literally, Ray, Poe, and Finn have to get Chewbacca home to Kashyyyk in time for Life Day. That's the like that's the framing device around it, and then uh, and then more than that, there's going to be some story uh, that that um, sees Ray uh, time traveling. <laughs> Somehow it's sort of, it's meant to be like a Christmas Carol sort of thing, like, and, and interacting with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of characters from throughout the saga. So uh, I, it's Lego star Wars. Uh, There are no rules, uh, but that being (laughs) said, it is very unsurprisingly surprising that Lego is managing to deliver the kind of content that star Wars fans are asking for um unfortunately it's it it won't be canon and most people won't watch it because it's a kid's thing um but it'll be on disney plus so hopefully that means that it'll get into the into the hands of more viewers than than previous lego star wars stuff but um carl what do you think are you a fan of the lego star wars stuff uh i can't
0: say that i am because i've never watched any um i never played the video games i yeah, Lego Star Wars is is, is uh, as far on the back burner for me as you can get in so far as I've never checked it out. So yeah. I, I don't really have any opinion of it. That being said, I'm excited about this, though, because for the for the first time ever, Mike, just this past December, I watched the holiday special yeah. in its entirety, <laughs> which is hard, man. Like, it's it is It's not stuff. easy. Yeah. Um, But I, get, like, I could enjoy it for its campiness, and mm-hmm. I could also understand in 1978, being a huge Star Wars fan... Just liking it, just because it was Star Wars. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I'm, this sounds like it's like a cool story. Like I, it's cool that it's the sequel trilogy heroes. It's after Episode Nine, which I think yeah. is just really neat. Um, and the whole little story with Ray does sound fascinating. And the fact that it's non-canon yeah. couldn't make me happier because I, I I find it exhausting how so everything is canon now. Like yeah. every little book, every little comic, yeah. the theme park, all these things are canon now, and it's just. Like, I get it, but it's like, ugh, I don't want to take all this in. So, yeah. like, to have something just for the sake of having fun, to me, yeah. just sounds perfect.
1: Um, I, I mean, I can't recommend Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures highly enough. This isn't really the podcast for it. That's more of a Rebel Cells topic. But, but uh, any time it comes up, Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures is great Star Wars storytelling. It's great, like, mythic Star Wars Heroes Journey storytelling. Um, but it is not constrained, as you're saying. Like, it's not constrained by canon. Um, it has its own canon, so it, it actually... Uh, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if this maintains any of that, because there's the... Um, there were the Yoda Chronicles as well, which was slightly less narrative and slightly less... Uh, it wasn't quite as tight as Freemaker Adventures was. Um, and, and there was also Droid Tales, and there's there's been a few things. Um, and... And they've kind of built up their own Lego Star Wars canon over the years. There's even a, there's a, there's a special, it's just like a, a mini movie sort of thing, that sees Han Solo, little, little kid Han Solo, uh, get caught up in a Jedi Academy, like a, like a Jedi I, I Temple field trip by accident. Uh, And so he like Yoda is taking a bunch of Padawans, uh, younglings, on a field trip, and Han accidentally kind of gets caught up in this story, and (laughs) and he he, his name tag, uh, uh, the H turns sideways, and so it says Ian instead of Han, and so everybody calls him Ian, and uh, I and that is referenced later in another. Lego Star Wars, project. like like super like blink and you miss it reference of like of like oh yeah one of the greatest Jedi Padawans of all time Ian and and they kind of just move on from it as if like it's like like everybody knows who Jedi Padawan Ian is um, and it turns out that in that in that canon it's actually Han Solo so it's a <laughs> it's a lot more fun and a lot more irreverent um, and I think it's kind of well, I had said with Freemaker Adventures when it was airing. Um, that it was kind of the antidote to all of the online nonsense. Um, and we covered both seasons I, I, in, in their entirety uh, on, on Rebel Cells um, because it was just so much fun to talk about it. There's an episode of Freemaker Adventures. This is the pitch. Everybody who's, who's listened to every episode of this podcast is probably sick of hearing this by now. But I'll give you the really quick pitch. This is the best episode. My favorite. I, uh, the Freemakers are like scavengers. They they repair ships and stuff like that and then sell them. Um, the, the idea being that they... like It's Lego, right? So they rebuild Lego ships and sell them <laughs> off to other people. This rich guy brings in his, his uh, pristine mint condition N1 Naboo Starfighter that just needs a little bit of work. And uh, uh, throughout the course of the episode, Vader is sort of on their heels. And... and sort of the spoiler for the end of the episode but vader ends up in the cockpit of the n1 and is like spiritually transported back to being a child and doing a a, a spin because that's a good trick and and just yelling yippee and now this is pod <laughs> racing all that stuff and it is it, it's just it's just fun like it's just stuff like that that's just fun and it's full of original characters and stuff so i'm really hoping that we see some of that stuff make its way back into this the the creative team that did Free Maker adventures isn't necessarily involved with this not not all of them so um i haven't done a full like like cross reference check to see who is and who isn't but the the two main main uh, uh showrunners aren't 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 on this but um but they've, everybody's kind of been respectful of the work that everybody else has done. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if, if you are weary from the, the the canon of it all, and especially when things are disappointing, like Poe Dameron and Freefall, which was sort of being built up as like it's going to help reconcile some of Poe's past with the retconning that was done in Rise of Skywalker. And then it's like, well, it's actually... It's not a great story. <laughs> it's a little bit weak but um, like this you just have fun with it and and to, to use the holiday special as a as a source of inspiration to, to tell <laughs> a story, um, I'm sure that they will have a lot of fun and that they will that they will definitely poke at uh, uh, all of that campiness and ridiculousness. I imagine that there will be a moment where somebody goes to sing a song and they are stopped. Uh, <laughs> it's like no, it's not that kind of holiday special. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there there are so many possibilities. But uh, of course, it ties in also with the Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar this year, where mm. the Poe Dameron that we see in the screenshot is is the exclusive one of the exclusive minifigs that comes in the in the Advent Calendar, and he's Poe, and he's he's in a Star Wars holiday sweater. Um, so <laughs> so you also have to rush out buy the Advent Calendar. Watch the special, and then you can play along at home, but not at the same time because you won't can't open your advent calendar till December first. The, the the not these things don't match up perfectly, but uh, uh, but it, the possibility is there. I'm yeah. I'm sure that everybody's gonna have a lot of fun with it regardless. So cool. Uh, is there anything else in the news? Have you heard anything? Uh, has anybody made up a rumor this week? Is that can we confirm that someone heard? That uh, I don't know. Let's pick somebody random. Uh, the guy that played Captain Panaka is going to be in a Disney Plus series on his own, but not as Captain yeah. Panaka. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, start that one right here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it's going to be a live action Freemaker adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah. So starring Korsh Panaka. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There yeah. You, go. Uh, you heard it here first on Star Wars yeah. FMI. Yeah, uh, I'm sure uh, Mike Zero will run with it. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's running out of things to talk about. Yeah, um, I also heard that they're going to cancel all future Star Wars projects and replace them with remakes of the Ewok movies. So great, that's, that's another. Ugh, yeah. That's so important. Yeah, that's what the, Taika, Taika Waititi was like. You know what? I have a better idea. Yeah, it's just going to make Ewok movies. We need um, more of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. Uh, well, with that. Let's uh, let's just take a quick break for ads, and then we're gonna come back in and talk about the original trilogy era. All right, so here we go. We're we're gonna we're gonna jump into our top five uh original trilogy rebellion era classic era whatever you want to call it uh our our top five moments. Um, let's start. Carl, you you kick us off with your uh, with your number five. Are yours in order? Mine are in order.
0: Um. Not really so like like I said to you, I, I didn't do a traditional top five. I just kind of okay. picked five really powerful moments. Like yeah, some yeah. of these would probably be in my top five, but I also tried to my best to hit you know, so you know, you said that we've got the three obviously original movies, Rogue One, Solo, and then Rebels is kind of and yeah. then any of the comics, but I don't I don't read comics, so yeah. um, so I tried to pick like one from everything. I did get two Empire Strikes Back because it's just my favorite movie. But <laughs> yeah. um, so I'll start with an Empire Strikes Back moment, um, which is Yoda raising the X-wing out of the swamp. Uh, you know, just such an iconic moment in Star Wars, where you have the you know the true blue hero mm-hmm. struggling to believe in himself, struggling to believe in his connection to the Force, and here you've got Yoda teaching him. I think some of the most valuable lessons in Star Wars in essentially that, you know, the more you don't believe this, the longer it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in a very, like, real-life way, I mean, this was George Lucas teaching his own truth um, insofar as even creating the Star Wars universe. Um, but obviously in the context of the movie, it's incredibly powerful because it showcases um, that the Force is ultimately something that you must be connected to. It's all mm. about connection and symbiosis, really. It's about working in cur- like in congruency with it, um, rather than overpowering it like a Sith would. Um and I just I love this moment because uh, Luke is uh, we just get so much of Yoda's deepest teachings. He he tells us what the Force is. He kind of expounds on it deeper than what Ben Kenobi said in A New Hope. And more than that is his kind of his biggest lesson to Luke is is unlearn what you've learned. He keeps trying Hmm. to encourage Luke to let go of those those old ways of thinking, those old ways of believing that are no longer serving him. And I think that's just a great life lesson in general. Um, But Yoda, again, just kind of continuing that trope from Empire Strikes Back of being amazed by the unexpected. Yoda is not what Luke expected to be a Jedi master. And then he's not really seen Yoda do anything you know, particularly powerful, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. And then Yoda, this diminutive, you know, creature just lifts a hand and brings this ship out of the swamp. Um, and, you know, I think in a lot of ways, he's really imparting to Luke the importance of what happens when the Force is your ally. Yeah. And and I think that this is the, t- the the first lesson that Luke gives Rey in The Last Jedi, too, is ultimately... Uh, the most important thing for you to do is simply connect to the force um, and 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 feel it feel its presence and be honed by its presence so uh, i just love that moment because to me it's it's kind of the spiritual heart of specifically the original trilogy but i would even say the entire skywalker saga in a lot of ways i mean it is in the middle movie of those nine sort of um but uh uh yeah that's my first
1: one yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I it's it's such a an iconic moment that it just gets lifted completely out of Empire and put right into Rise of Skywalker, right? Because we know yeah. how iconic it is and how it's going to sort of give us that that those feels uh, or at least that's the intent. Um that's a different conversation. But I <laughs> I yeah, I, the thing that I love about that moment so much is how George Lucas managed to take very complex very difficult to express um spiritual and and religious concepts of faith and uh existence and reality and our our relation to it and boil it down into a few lines a few moments um and obviously like there you know you've got Kasdan Mm -hmm. and, and Kirshner as well that get brought into that that alchemy um but but it, it, it just expands so much on the ideas, the very loose ideas um, and limited ideas that we got in a new hope about what the force is, right? Um, but yeah, it's just the unlearn what you have learned and, and, and the fact that it's no different to move the X- wing than it is to move the rock. These are, These are concepts that I think even a lot of like really devoted Star Wars fans still have a hard time understanding. Um, and and whenever I hear somebody say, well, the force can't do that. Right. Like when we get a new when we see a new ability or, or a new a new way that it works. And, and it's like it, it's very similar to um, in a real world sense, whenever I hear somebody in a in a Christian context, which is the context that I experience most religion, I uh, say something like, well, that's not. That's not what God thinks or that's not that's not how God feels about that or whatever. And it's like the uh, it's to me, it's always the same thing. It's the arrogance to think that we can understand, begin to comprehend mm-hmm. uh, like in within the Christian religious context, God and within Star Wars, the force. Right. Like and that that is the failing of the Jedi. That's where it relates back into The Last Jedi and what Luke is trying to teach Ray is that the Jedi build a dogma and a whole religion around, and it's what we see in the prequel trilogy, and we see the counter to this in this moment. And it's so funny how everything is told out of order. So the 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 original trilogy exists, and then the prequel trilogy uh, tells a different story that is reinforced by and reinforces this moment in the original trilogy and then in the sequel trilogy we we do that again right thereby making what you said that the fact that this moment particularly i think the whole idea of luke's training on dagobot is so central to what star wars is about it's really like it's a fulcrum that the whole thing kind of rotates on um and, and and Yoda raising the X-Wing is like our... It's our illustrative moment that we can point to and go, there it is, right? The music swells. We get Yoda's full theme for really the first time in, in the movie. And uh, and and it's just... I mean, like, I get chills thinking about it. So <laughs> it, it definitely qualifies as a top moment.
0: Yeah. Um, I, it, it's also, to me, it's the most magical moment in yeah. Star Wars. To me. Um, yeah. I find it to be just so... Like awesome, like this mm-hmm. moment full of awe. Like we, as an yeah. audience, are in Luke's shoes in that moment. Like what? Like kind of being amazed by this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and like kind of what you're saying. Uh, I like the way you pointed out how the, the the story is told the way it is. Right. We get we get the middle acts, then we get the early acts, then we get the sequel acts. Yeah. Um, and I also think that it's kind of a brilliant way of looking at the existence of religion and spirituality within culture. Yeah. Um, you know, the original trilogy is is born out of the early seventies, which is highly, highly anti-religious in America. Hmm. Um, and George is trying to recapture some sense of wonder and awe at, at that transcendent reality, whatever it may be. And then the prequels is also like a great reflection on, you know, in the early two thousands, we see specifically in America, like the explosion of scandal and religious, religiosity and George yeah. kind of tells that angle of how something that was once good and pure can become scandalous and broken. Yeah. And and I love how the sequel trilogy then kind of to round it out is trying to understand, well, these things matter, they're important, but how are they? How do they matter? How do we how do we manifest them? Yeah. Right? And I think what's so powerful is it all kind of hinges in this moment for for Yoda to teach Luke that it ultimately is summed up in how you relate to it and, and being an open channel to it and being guided by it, but also guiding it. It's a both and. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what he tries to teach Ray in Last Jedi. Um, I mean, he's teaching out of his own broken heart at that point by saying, therefore, you don't need the Jedi. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he is still teaching you that fundamental truth.
1: Yeah, so. for sure. Cool. Well, let's take it from a very pivotal, uh, super important moment to a much <laughs> more fun and uh, I just a uh, just a a, a, a juvenile f- I, I, a giddiness moment. For me, um, Solo is my favorite Star Wars movie. I think Carl, you're 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 pretty close on that. It's, it's yeah, it's a close number two. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and I I had a hard time because I wanted to pick one moment from Solo. And in my brain, it was like with the other ones that I picked, it was so easy to be like, oh, yeah, from that movie, this from from Rebels, (laughs) this from this, this. And because I can just like hone in on these these very specific concentrated nuggets of of Star Wars. Right. But with Solo, I sat for like five minutes going like, what's my favorite moment from Solo? And it was it wasn't a thing like at first I was like, do I like Solo that much? Because I can't even pick a favorite moment. And it, and then I realized, like, no, it's just like the whole thing is a favorite moment for me. Yeah, right. But, but then I really like, like as I thought about this, it started to sort of coalesce, in into this one moment that I think really captures what is great about that movie and and the fun of it and and the just the adventure nature of it. And it's it, it's in the the escape from Kessel. Uh, and Kira is in the co-pilot seat and she has no idea what she's doing she definitely can't keep up with Han uh, and Chewie like taps her on the shoulder and basically says move get out of the way <laughs> uh, and, and, and Han has the moments of like how, when, how do you know how to fly and he's like I'm 200 years old dummy <laughs> and he and he sits down in the seat and I love the way that the seat just kinda like it, cause we don't really see it a lot in the original trilogy or in any of the other stuff, but we just see the seat like move forward and then and then sort of like click into place. Cause it's just like this great moment where like Chewie just like locks in next to Han Solo for the first time and he starts doing everything and then all of a sudden it's like it's the the magic happens of the these three Elements coming together Han Solo Chewbacca the Millennium Falcon <laughs> and and the 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 Star Wars theme plays right like we get yeah. the, the the heroes Star Wars theme um, which is so perfect in that moment because it is like this is it right everything else before this was like a lead up to a moment um, and this is the beginning of to me like that that Solo was the beginning of the Rebellion era to me Mm -hmm. right um and and it is very specifically that because because han is a rebel by nature it's 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 who he is at his core so it's like it just sort of exemplifies everything um that the rebels would come to 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 exemplify and then eventually he would come around to being a part of that team um but but this moment is just us as viewers as Star Wars fans especially those of us who've been lifelong Star Wars fans and have this this history with it it's just so perfectly designed to make you feel that right there and it works every time I watch the movie every <laughs> single time I watch the movie cuz then they do the then they do the 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 drift move and whatever and it's all just like fr- from there on out it's just Han and Chewie being Han and Chewy, um, and I love it. And man, I really hope some of these rumors are true that we're gonna get some more Solo, some Alden Ehrenreich back uh, in the in that role, um, uh, so that we can have more moments like that. Because people who missed out on Solo, they missed out on some of the best Star Wars there is. It's it's crazy to me that people are like, Nah, uh, Han Solo. Harrison Ford is the only Han Solo ever. It's like, no, that's yeah. it. what it's like saying that alec guinness is the only obi-wan kenobi when we've got ewan mcgregor and he is just as good and we've got james arnold taylor who is just as good like it's like shakespeare these characters belong to everyone and different interpretations different performances as long as they have the heart that's all that should matter but yeah yeah
0: I love that moment, too. It's, you know, uh, when I saw... I, luckily, I saw your list before I made mine, so I made sure not to double anything up because yeah. this would have probably been on mine as well. Um, and so so much... I To me, it, it's... This is also the fulcrum point of that movie because it, mm. it's Solo is ultimately a love story, but it's not the love story we expected. It's yeah. the love story of Han and Chewie, mm-hmm. right? And I don't mean that romantically. I mm-hmm. mean it as, you know, like friendship love. And in that moment, right, Han's Han's whole journey up to that point, and still kind of even after that point, but his whole journey is finding a co-pilot, right? Yeah. And he, he expects and desires it to be Kira. She's not fit to be his co-pilot just like he's not fit to be hers, um, right? So she gives up that, see, I love how you kind of highlight that, even just that sound effect of the clicking into place. Yeah. And what I also love is immediately after that moment, you would get an exterior shot of the Falcon and the light comes on, the headlight. So to me, I've always interpreted that as like, Chewie is Han's guiding light and he's kind yeah. of locked in there. Um, but yeah, I just, I love that moment because it's where that destiny comes into being, right? Um, and... Uh, just a n- quick note about the music. Like you noted, right? It's, it's the Rebel fanfare when that happens. Yeah. And it's played very triumphantly and, and excitedly. But the first time we hear that music played in solo is when he and Chewie first see the Falcon when they're with Lando and you look up and it's literally, there are twin moons. And I think that's very intentional because yeah. it's, it's great that they're not sons. Um, but uh, in that moment, we also hear the Rebel fanfare, but it's played a little bit more like Almost like spiritually, like there's kind potential. Of this, yes, exactly. So it's cool that now in this moment that potential has been actualized, right? So, oh, I love that moment.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And i yeah, what what you say about like Han finding his his true co-pilot? It it Solo is such a good movie because you go. It's on the surface, it is a straight adventure, but when you dig into it, there's so much going on in it, um, and it's like, we go back to the moment when Han is asked, you know, who are your people? And he goes, I have no people. Right. And, and that's like truly how he feels until I think this moment with Chewie, who like also like when they're around the campfire and it's like, well, what are you going to do with your share, Chewie? And he's going to go find his, I don't know. Is it tribe family? And, and then, I, uh, 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 Beckett is like, what's the difference? Yeah. Right. And, And that moment when they lock in 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 the cockpit, it's, like, that's the moment where you realize Han is not Solo, right? Which is something that Kira knows. It's, like, you you call yourself Solo, you're not Solo. It's all a front. It's all nonsense. Yeah. Um, And she calls him on it at the end of the movie. And then Chewie finds his tribe. He finds his family, um, which it's really tragic that the end of the saga is him losing all of that family. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he has a new one. So when you live to be 500 years old, you got to get used to that idea. These humans, yeah. they're, At least they're, like, humans yeah. they're like pets. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it, it is that moment where like these two characters, these two individuals come together to 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 form something greater than than the sum of their parts right yeah um and yeah it's Han and Chewie how can you not love it yeah I cool how about what's your next one
0: well I'm gonna rewind about 10 minutes is all in that movie um (laughs) in solo we'll stay on Kessel it's the Kessel shootout I absolutely love that moment um You know i mean like you've been saying solo is this great adventure movie and it's also very much a western right and to me this is i mean they've done shots like this throughout clone wars which i always enjoy but uh it's it's again it's the uh it's the people defending the wagon right it's the the wagon is being encircled by the enemy and they're they're defending their their payload if you will and with the coaxium here and and i just i love i mean it it starts with that iconic hunt you know hand throws him the blaster i mean it is so cool. Like the, the way that that's just acted. And I remember when I was watching solo with some friends of mine who hadn't seen it for and it was their first time watching it. And in that moment, my one friend, she turns to me and she goes, that's Han Solo. Like just the way Alden is like acting, the way he shoots the gun, the way he points the gun. She's like, that's Han Solo. I'm like, exactly. Um, like, so to your earlier point, when people were like, Harrison's the only Han you're no, he's not like Alden is so good. Um, But that being said, I just I love the shootout moment just because of it's just like a really fun Western action scene. Um, And then it's also got this tremendous heart. Like, I I, I mean, I love the way you put it, Mike, that Solo is on the surface just very much an adventure, you know, porn popcorn movie, which is true. But it's also a lot more. And I feel like this is that moment that really another one of those moments in the movie that exemplifies that. I mean, on the surface. Yeah, this is just a great like gun battle, um, which to be fair, I, we've not gotten a really a neat gun battle like this in Star Wars before in my opinion. Yeah. Um but uh it's also filled with this heart. It's a climactic moment for Chewie and even for Han, right? Yeah. When it's just kind of this cyclic moment where L3 falls, Lando with no thought to his own well-being runs out to help the person he's he he loves. And again, I don't mean that even necessarily romantically, but he obviously loves L3 as a companion, runs out there without thinking about himself. And then Han makes a decision when Lando falls to also kind of throw his own self-concern to the wind and go out after Lando. And we get this beautiful statement of Han Solo's theme in that Mm -hmm. moment, because that's when Chewie sees that, right? And it zooms in on Chewie's face. And without words being spoken, and Chewie does, you know, Sagwa this way, right? And Sagwa's trying to convince Chewie to come, but Chewie makes the decision to stay with Han because he sees the heart of who Han is. Yeah, And I think also knows Han's going to need some help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Both in this moment, but also long-term. Like Han's a bit brash. He needs some help, but he showed his heart of gold in that moment. Um, and, and I just love it. And I, I was actually watching the movie last week with uh, with my partner, and she obviously had never seen it before. And in that moment... Uh, I loved it. She just turned to me because when they're saying, Sagwa, this way, she goes, oh, Chewie's got to make a choice. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, right, so it's uh, kind of kind of coupling it with the moment you had just talked about, um, right? That's the moment where they lock in, but I think this is the moment of uh, catching their eye, right? Yeah. Chewie's eye is really caught by Han in this moment. Um, and I think it's 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 a, been a continual build throughout the movie. You know, I mean... Han has seen him throughout the movie, mm-hmm. but now Chewie really sees Han. So um, I love that moment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. The, the whole sequence from, from the, the time that we arrive at Kessel until till the end of the, the Kessel run is just all so good. Um, but, but yeah, this gunfight is, I would agree, it's, we don't have another example of a gunfight quite like this one. Um, and I love your your uh, referencing it to like the the circling the, the wagon sort of like like the de- defending the Falcon and um, I love how one of my favorite moments in in this moment a micro moment I guess is <laughs> is when they all they're coming booking out it's right at the beginning of it uh, everybody's coming out and it's like uh, Lando's just just waiting for them basically yeah. and he's like come on hurry up hurry up and he's he's kind of not involved. Until a blaster bolt hits the Falcon <laughs> yeah. and Donald Glover's so good. Cause he just has this moment where he just like, looks, he looks back at where at this impact and, and the, the scorch on his pristine ship. Yeah. Uh, and then he looks back and the gun comes out and he's just like, no. And, and, uh, and his, his chest puffs up and he's like, I love the way that he just stands so straight and tall when he shoots, which is in contrast to Beckett and Han, who are very much Ooh. like, they they are like like Han is always crouched right he's always kind yeah. of in that lean when he shoots, um, uh, and it's sort of that like I'm gonna get you before you get me, but Lando has a completely different attitude of like of like I'm Lando Calrissian like you <laughs> no one can touch me, but. Like you have now raised my ire, and you should be running, right? Uh, and it's like it's so subtle in that character, but it's a hundred percent there. Um, yeah. That that like that, yeah. Uh, Lando is a lover, not a fighter. But if push comes to shove, you don't want him. You don't want to be on his bad side, sort of thing, right? Yeah. And it's 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 all of these characters that are in this underworld environment, but but somehow we manage to have. Uh, it's funny we've got we've got the two characters who it seems like on the out, outside are very um, nice, compassionate, thoughtful people in Beckett and Kira. like they present that to the world. but really on the inside they are they are basically out for themselves mm. in most instances, except where it comes to Han. Uh, and then you've got Han and Lando who very much put out this, this air of oh i'm a i'm a lone wolf i'm a I, you know i can't be tamed i like that sort of thing but then as you see with both of them in this moment lando going for l3 and han I uh, uh, trying to save everybody all the time <laughs> i uh, you see that the two of them are actually like they possess the qualities of real heroes yeah um and yeah it's 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 definitely a, a a great moment to point out um Man, sticking with Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon and all of this, <laughs> I'm gonna go to my favorite moment from A New Hope, and that's the Tie Fighter attack, which which is the escape from the Death Star. Uh, I, it's it's my favorite piece of music from from A New Hope, certainly, um, but it is it's actually also one of my favorite pieces of music from the entire saga, uh, and I I it is just to me a it so perfectly encapsulates what makes star wars different from other sci-fi and other fantasy um, and it's it's really hard to put into words exactly why i feel that way but everything up until this point is is pretty cool and and you know we've got some some real fantasy stuff with the Jedi things and, and with Obi-Wan and the fight with Vader. We've got some real, like, more sci-fi elements with the Cantina and the Death Star and the and and, and the Adventure Pulp stuff. But there's this moment where it comes together to be Star Wars, Star Wars for me, when we're in the Falcon um, and we're suddenly... And, and I didn't know it the first time that I watched it because I didn't have the context, but knowing now and understanding the iconography of, like the the gun turrets on this ship um and and the real world analogs of like a b-52 bomber or like all sorts of like world war ii iconography and the fact that george lucas used that that sort of uh, uh filmmaking and cut it together into into the sequence to make it work um so the ilm knew how to how to put everything together there's just there's a there's an energy there's a feeling there's a vibe. Um, and then, and then the world that you're that you're built into with Star Wars that, that we've been existing in for an hour and a bit in the movie at this point, it all just kind of comes together. And I think that it's a it's a moment that um, that other Star Wars movies have tried to recapture, and the only one that gets it for just a split second, because I the Force Awakens tries really hard, and, and I love the 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 Jakku escape sequence, like it's great. But it it's just like a hair off for me. It's there's Mm -hmm. there's kind of other stuff going on. But there's a moment in The Last Jedi where Ray when Ray saves the day uh, uh, at the end of the movie that that it uh that recaptures it where she's in there and she's like oh i like this and and you just kind of the music and everything and then as they take off and 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 all the the tie fighters peel off after them and it's just it's so brief because the rest of it is a little bit more return of the jedi uh death star escape than the like the uh like the death star tunnel than it is Mm -hmm. than it is the 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 um the tie fighter attack from a new hope but but it, there's just that brief moments of it where you're like oh this is this is such good classic star wars um so yeah i i don't know i just i love it the 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 just the movement of of the of the turrets is such a unique thing i uh, i uh, the 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 way that han and luke are yelling back and forth at each other down the, the gun well of like he's like I got one I got one he's like great kid don't get cocky which when you know that like the don't get cocky part is an ad lib from Harrison Ford it's like it just it makes it that much better um, and uh, yeah it's just it's just such a perfect sequence it just feels so Star Wars to me in a, in a way that few other things can kind of just like zone me into like this is what Star Wars is from an action adventure standpoint
0: yeah 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 Oh, yeah, it's um, it. I've, I've always enjoyed that moment. Uh, obviously, like you said, most notably, I think is the music. I mean, yeah. and the fact that John Williams then revisited it again, Return of the Jedi. And then again, you know, in uh, um, Last Jedi. Yeah. Do we get it again in Rise of Skywalker? I feel like we do.
1: Uh, I, I think wrong. that there, I think that there's like one phrase of it in okay. at the beginning of the movie when they're when they're escaping, escaping. from the asteroid Got from it. the from okay. the ice the ice asteroid thing. Yep. That um, uh, just because yeah they're being chased by a tie fighter and they're avoiding sure. stuff. It's very <laughs> yeah it's very yeah. similar. And we, we definitely get get a lot of very pointed references to it in in the Kessel escape. Yes. Um, but yeah. those ones to me like as much as I love it they're so on the nose. Like yeah. like the musical yeah, yeah, yeah. references as well as right. just like the well, visual of it, but when the, Beckett hurts his thumbs, it's too, yeah, it, oh, that's, so, yeah. it's such a good moment. But
0: well, I mean that that particular track on the solo soundtrack is called "Reminiscence Therapy," which yeah. is perfect because yes, it's a combination exactly. of the Tie Fighter attack with the asteroid field
1: music. Yeah, but anyway, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 hundred percent self-aware, <laughs> which <Yes>. is fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but no, it, I mean this is just such a, the thing that always it, I enjoyed about it. Even like the first time I watched it was. Uh, how important it was to me that like they both got the same number of Tie Fighters. Han yeah. and Luke both like you know combined to get what is, they each get three or four. Three, I believe. I think six it's three. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. It's just like it's just it was always interesting to me. That it's like oh they're both really good. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and but honestly the thing that I always think of why I enjoy this moment so much is do you remember the old uh, PC game Tie Fighter?
1: I I never played. To, like oh, okay. uh, X-wing
0: and Tie Fighter, but
1: gotcha. I know what you're talking about,
0: though. Yeah, but that's uh, that video game which came out not long after I got into Star Wars,
1: hmm.
0: playing with my joystick, and I remember like flying as a Tie Fighter in that first person view out the cockpit, yeah. and you get you would get to attack like YT thirteen hundred freighters. So it's like oh, it's like that moment in Star Wars. <laughs> so, yeah. so like it just yeah. made me like that moment more because like in a weird way I feel like I got to play in it. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's, sort of like, that's kind of like the nostalgic reason I've always enjoyed that moment. Um, but yeah, it's just, like you said, it's just fun Star Wars adventure.
1: Yeah. Uh, cool. What, what do you got next for us?
0: Next, I've got a... Uh, so we're going to take all that fun we were just talking about, Mike, yeah. and we're going to flip it on its head and cry a little bit. Okay. Um, so this is my moment from Rebels, which is the sacrifice of Kanan. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching that episode the first time I don't think I've cried that hard watching a TV show ever, yeah. let alone a cartoon, right? Um, and the only other time I've cried harder than that at Star Wars was when Han Solo's killed, um, just because I love Han. He's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, and it is just such a beautiful moment where, yeah. uh, you know, it, Kanan really embodies what the Latin word sacrifice means, which is sacrificiate, to make holy. Um it's essentially to you know, to keep something put together and mm-hmm. he gives his life to keep the ghost crew a family, right? Yeah. He gives his life for his family. Um right and in that moment when those eyes just peel back that you know, the the blinded eyes give way to his blue light once again. Yeah. And the music, like uh you know, you probably know this about me, Mike, but anyone who obviously may never heard me talk about Star Wars before, Star Wars music is probably my favorite aspect of Star Wars. Mm. The musical uh, composition that's put together for this moment, just the the choir that sings in that moment... I mean, I've always, in, to me, that's just my way of interpreting it in, in a Western context is this is the angels ushering him into the heavens. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's because he is doing the supreme holy act, which is giving your life away for the people you love. Yeah. And he's literally doing that, obviously. Um, and, you know, the thing that always struck me, though, about the moment, Mike, is that it's not like he's doing anything super big, right? Like all, all, all of the cartoon Star Wars series basically allow characters to do something as big and mighty as they need to in the moment, right? There is definitely a lot of there are a lot of inconsistencies in what Jedi can do in Clone sure. Wars and Rebels, but that's never the point, right? Um, But in that moment, like, it seems like, oh gee, they just blew up something they're staying on. This seems like it should be an easy escape route. But in that moment, it's, I mean, uh, a purging fire comes to overtake our, our crew, mm-hmm. and Kanan holds that purging fire at bay um to give them life and then even force pushing um you know ezra into the ship yeah um is that right he does do that yeah 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 and you know just uh and 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 it's extra heartbreaking too because he finally we finally hear him on camera say to Hera that he loves her yeah um and and they all witness this um and and the reason i bring up that it's kind of again nothing super like doesn't on the surface isn't something super powerful and mighty that's what makes me like it even more because it's sometimes just simple little things like that mm-hmm. um that means so much you know um and it does mean so much i mean he literally does save them but it's not some bit it's not the inquisitor about to strike them down i mean it's some faceless machines of war that blew something up yeah um you know so uh, everything that makes this moment personal is Kanan. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my next one.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that you put this in here. Cause, cause I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I kind of avoided it. <laughs> um, Sorry. Kan- Kanan's my second, second favorite character in star Wars, right after Obi-Wan. Um, and, and I personally believe that Kanan is the most perfect example of, the Jedi of, of the old order, right. Of, of the, of, because he is other than, other than, you know, it, it, we feel it. there's a new uh, surviving Padawan that crops up every six months in star Wars these days. But, <laughs> um, and that's no, not to throw any shade at Cal Kestis. He almost made it onto my list. I, I, for, for top moments, but, um, I, but Kanan, in that moment like you said like like he like that sacrifice um he's the only jedi that that in my opinion we see transcend and and become one with the force before he dies right oh yeah because with obi-wan obi-wan becomes one with the force at the moment of, of his death right like as like it's It's kind of weird because it's like the lightsaber strikes, but does it strike? Does it whiff through the air? It's kind of like it's open to interpretation, but I've always taken that as the moment of his death is the moment that he disappears, is the moment that he becomes one with the Force. Yoda, obviously, as he passes, passes into the Force, right? Vader, like Vader fades away. Anakin is there. And as Anakin dies, he he becomes one with the Force, right? We sort of we see all these other examples of it, but with Kanan, and we know that he becomes one with the Force because he transcends into another form within the Force, right? He does he doesn't become a Force ghost because Obi Wan gets to have the the the, and I love that that's preserved, that he maintains like he is the first to transcend to that to maintain himself, right? Yeah. To 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 stay as Obi Wan Kenobi in perpetuity for as long as he feels like. Um, but Canaan becomes something else. He becomes he becomes doom, right but, but we see that transformation happen in that moment when the scales fall away from his eyes and and like you can't help but but get into biblical references with Canaan and Ezra because of their names. It's intentional. We're, it, we're <laughs> supposed to think in those terms. like Dave wanted that. Um, And and it is very much like he he is healed right in the moment before because he's connected with the Force. And he does something, like you say, that we haven't seen another Jedi do. Like on a scale that we've never seen. The way that he holds back that fire, redirects it, um, that we then later on will see Baby Yoda do a version of that. Um, But certainly not on the scale that Kanan does here where he protects an entire freighter. I, yeah. I, by redirecting this explosion um, and, and holds it off just long enough for them to get away. And then that's reinforced even more in World Between Worlds when Ahsoka tells Ezra, you can't. You can't save him. Not because you ha- don't have the ability. It's like if you did, you would be... you, you would You would destroy everything, right? Like his sacrifice is what allows you to be here in this moment to save me therefore if you if you stop him from sacrificing himself you'll actually end up doing everything and and it's like it it just it's so quick after it's only a few episodes later where it's like ezra is still very clearly dealing with the grief of this moment um and he sees this opportunity to 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 end that grief but but Ahsoka has the wisdom being that she is the Ashla and she's connected to the light side. She knows, hey, like, no, you can't do this. What he did is important. And and it connects ultimately into the rise of Skywalker in my favorite moment from that movie. And when we do our sequel trilogy one, this will be in that, um, and I'll talk more about it. But when, when those voices from beyond tell Rey to rise... And and Kanan has the very specific words, uh, the, in the heart of a Jedi lies her strength. I uh, I and it's like Kanan to me just like he understood the Force and even if even if he didn't have the ability to vocalize it um, and 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 pass it on as as well uh, in a in a verbal way as as some of the other Jedi maybe have, he lived it. Uh, he was a perfect Jedi, um, and that's kind of what Yoda had told him in in early on in the series when he's like, no, like you are acting like you're not a Jedi, but, but you are. And then when he has his vision with the, with, uh, in the temple, um, with, uh, with the, the, the Inquisitor before he was the Inquisitor, all of that stuff. It's like, there are all these moments that point towards like, but it is kind of the idea that he rejects it that actually makes him perfect. It's, you have to, you're kind of holding to, Uh, counterpoints in your mind at the same time. It's the fact that he refuses to see himself as a perfect Jedi unlike I would say Yoda or Mace Windu or even Obi-Wan Kenobi certainly Anakin Skywalker who see themselves as avatars of what a Jedi should be. Kanan never sees himself that way and that's actually the thing that makes him perfect. right? In the eyes of the force. It's that rejection of ego um, while still living the tenets of what it would mean to be a perfect Jedi Knight. So yeah, Kanan is just, he's one of the most expertly crafted characters in star Wars and Freddie Prince jr. Just kills it. He crushes it. And it's because he understands he knows what star Wars is and he understands who that character is and what purpose he serves. And that's why, that's why it works so well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm up, right? You are up. This one will be quick. This one will be super quick. Uh, it's the Battle of Hoth, uh, just you know the whole thing. But but really, um, uh, just the novelty of it. I, uh, and again, like the Tie Fighter attack, it has this alchemy that it is perfect Star Wars: the music, the characters, the environment, the uh, the the ingenuity of design. Um, just in in taking these things that we understand, they're in little fighters. The bad guys are in big tanks, right? and it's how are these little fighters going to take out these walking fortresses right it's so clear it's so easy to understand and then hey they're basically war elephants <laughs> if we trip them that's how we can defeat them <laughs> and it the like just find me another piece of fiction that takes these easy to understand concepts and spins them in such a unique and visceral and enjoyable way as as the Battle of Hoth and, and snowspeeders flying around at ATS to take them down. Like, it's so good that every Star Wars video game that puts you in the cockpit of a ship has tried to recreate this moment. And some of them have. I mean, like Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, definitely has the best Battle of Hoth moments. Um, but, uh, I, like, they, they, they did it in Shadows of the Empire, they did it in Rogue Squadron 2, they did it again in Rogue Squadron 3. Like, they have, we have we've visited this moment so many times, and it's because, like you're saying with, with, uh, with TIE Fighter, uh, how you kind of got, you got to see that moment, you got inside it, and you got to live in Star Wars for a second. How many of us have just thought like, yeah, man, like just wrapping that that cable around the AT-AT and watching it go down. Um, and then even Luke with with uh, <laughs> it loses his ship, but still manages to take out a, a, a walker single handedly <laughs> with his lightsaber, a, a grapple gun and a, and, a, and a single thermal detonator. Like I, I there's just so many great things about it. There's just so many great things about this whole sequence. Um, and then the music just ramps it up. As yeah, always with Star too, yeah. Wars, it just takes it from awesome to a whole other level that I don't think there is a word for. It's just it's <laughs> Star Wars is the word. That's the word
0: for. It. Oh boy! Yeah. No. Battle of Hoth. Do do loop do do litit do do loop do do litit. Yeah. 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 It's just the music is so iconic, so good. Um.
1: Now I. You grew up in a part of Canada that has snow, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It definitely snows here. I mean like in in the lower mainland less, but I did I I lived for eight years uh yeah. Eight years. In uh, in in the Okanagan. Uh which is more in the interior up in the mountains. So we got a lot oh, of snow. Oh, there. you got snow, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well like I grew up in upstate New York and we got a lot of snow there too. So yeah. I mean I always loved Battle of Hoth growing up because I could then run outside in the winter yeah. and play the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. You know what I mean? With my brothers and our toboggan always became a T-47 snow speeder. Um, it was great. Um, but, you know, in the context of the movie, it's just... It's just so fun. And, yeah. you know, you've the might of the Empire comes hammering down. It's, it's got some of my favorite shots um, in Star Wars. So yeah. that, that visual shot of the soldiers in the trench and the... Rogue Squadron flying over the top of them. I mean, that's just so cool. It's like
1: yeah. they,
0: they have their support now. Like they're doing this together. I don't know. They're, right. You've got this again, like a faceless machine of war coming at you. But then you've got soldiers with faces in a trench and then you get these ships flying over them that immediately we visually go into those ships to see the faces. Right. So it, it's just such a great, simple contrast of the enemy is a machine. The good guys fight for each other, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's it's a blast, and like you said, so many video games let us replay it all the time. Um, there's a reason for that, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean it's great. And I also love. I mean, obviously they lose, but that also that beautiful wide angle shot as you get the like a very mournful force theme being played as they're told to retreat, and then you yeah. see them, you know, just these minuscule figures being gunned down by these behemoths of yeah. war behind them. I mean, it's, it just, to me, it just reinforced the way a new hope opened, which is this mighty empire chasing down this little ranky dink ragtag group of, of people. Yeah. So yeah, great, yeah. great choice.
1: For sure. Okay, cool. What, what do you got? What do you got for us next, uh, Carl? Uh,
0: it, it's something pretty iconic. Uh, we're going to go to return of the Jedi. Hmm. Um, and uh it's it's the duel between luke and vader on death star 2 uh it just such a i, I i'm always tempted to say such an underrated duel but to be fair i don't think it is underrated i mean a lot yeah. of people love it it's not really underrated um but the thing i enjoy so much about it is how in control of this fight luke is yeah. up to a point right I mean, we're coming off of Empire where he just gets toyed with and is and, and just demolished by Vader, which is of no surprise. And this is I mean, again, I don't know that there's a hard canon date between Empire and Jedi. I think most people say it's about a year. Um but within that short period of time, Luke has come in, has really stepped into the role of Jedi Knight mm-hmm. and all of that, what that might mean. And what's so cool about the fight too is is especially now in light of the prequels the way it kind of matches with the battle of the heroes insofar that luke is very much fighting like obi-wan did against anakin which means on the defensive yeah. he is not trying to strike down vader it becomes very clear that he could um i mean i love early on in the fight when he just kicks him down the stairs and it's a great moment because it it's like it's a great inverse of when he gets kicked down the stairs in the, you know, the carbonite chamber, and then Vader just kind of fly-floats down to the yeah. And Vader kind of like somersaults through the air as if he's going to land gracefully, but he just stumbles down. It, it just very much shows who's got the high ground now. Mm-hmm. right? Luke has really mastered himself. And as a result, that, that, that ability to control himself has just made him into a great Jedi Knight. Um, but then everything tips. When his family gets threatened, when when yeah. Leia is threatened by Vader, and Luke just obviously unleashes hell on him. First time we ever get a choir in Star Wars music on film. I mean, at that time, um, and just Luke just going off on him is is incredible because we see that Skywalker anger burning bright, um, and the funny thing is, is that that duel kind of is broken into two parts. The one where Luke is clearly in control and winning the mm-hmm. fight, and then where he loses control and almost kills the fight. Um, but it gives way to the fullest moment for Luke, but I'm not going to say much about that because it's a totally separate moment. Um, but yeah, I just love that duel so much. Um, yeah,
1: It's great. Well, let's talk about these together because I think okay. like, you lead right into mine, right? Sure. Or one of mine, which yeah. is... I, which is uh, where that scene goes. I, and I, but before I, before I get into that part of it, we'll talk about, about what you just talked about, which, which I agree with you. Like there, there's a, it is, there's a three act structure to the duel, right? Of the, the beginning of the fight, which begins with like Palpatine taunting him up until the point where the fight actually starts. And then Luke is very much, um, he is very much a Jedi Knight. Uh, yeah. what what we've been told to believe a Jedi Knight is like this this uh heroic uh, uh image of it and uh and and I think that they to your point like Vader kind of goes into this with the same with the same sort of attitude and now that we know more about Anakin that's reinforced even more to think like well he's just like he's there's a bit of arrogance there of like well I'm Darth Vader and he's he's still just a kid, and even though like his skills are complete, he's built his own lightsaber, he's been trained, all of that stuff. Um, it, it, he I I am still Darth Vader, um, yeah. but he doesn't realize that like oh wait no I'm fighting myself, <laughs> I'm fighting I am fighting the Anakin Skywalker that was on on uh, 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 Grievous's flagship that rescued Palpatine, the one that managed to single handedly defeat dooku right um and and it's such a great parallel because and obviously it works in reverse but then it it, it, it's a circle right like these things are just cyclical and they just feed each other but but that that dynamic of palpatine sitting in that throne or sitting imprisoned in that chair uh in in both instances egging on the young powerful corruptible jedi right and, uh, and to the point where where eventually like that influence uh, that certainly Palpatine starting that the, sort of like stoking the embers in that fire until <laughs> Vader brings up Leia. and then it is the ex- it's the exact same reason why Anakin fell, right? He, he yeah. wants to protect a person that he loves. And it's it, 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 it all builds towards that point where, Um, you know, Anakin has, has his choice comes a little bit later removed from that scene, but it's very similar of like, you have the choice of continue down the dark path, do what's easy, do what will definitely protect the people that you care about or be true to the path of a Jedi. And, and um, like even, even truer than I think most Jedi understand. And, and throw down your weapon, and and sort of refuse to 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 be a party to evil, right? It, Anakin fails that test. He ignites his lightsaber and he and he takes off Mace's hand, which allows Palpatine to win, right? Uh, Luke has already taken off Vader's hand, but he realizes instantly as he looks at his own hand. Was the the Palpatine cues him, right? He starts laughing um, because Palpatine is like, "I've won." I did it again like like I'm two for two with these Skywalker kids (laughs) and and Luke has that moment and I think thankfully because he has he has history to look at he has this other story to reflect on this this failed Jedi to teach him he looks at his hand and he sees I've got this robot hand. Vader has this robot hand. He's fully corrupted, essentially, not entirely. Mm. There's still some Anakin left and when we see the helmet come off, we were confirmed in that, right? But that same virus, that same infection, has already started to take Luke, right? The, and and the, the robotic hand is a symbol of that. It's not a literal thing, but it's it's very much a symbol of the machine, the Empire. The dark side all that stuff he looks at his hand and he just takes his lightsaber and he throws it down and he says no i won't do it i'm a jedi like my father before me and it is like this moment is what star wars is all about the whole thing that's what it's about that's why i had it as my number one moment but it's okay i'm, I'm cool to flip these because because we'll talk about the last one last and 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 that's Fine, because it's an Obi-Wan-related moment. But um, but this is what Star Wars is all about. And it's, to me, not to get too much into sequel stuff, it's why Rey is so much... She's such a better example of a Jedi, even than Luke Skywalker. And I think that's kind of one of the points of her character. Um, in that she doesn't... She already understands... What Luke comes to understand in this moment—it takes Luke's entire hero's journey for him to get to this point and realize—if I continue to fight, I'll become what I'm fighting. Right? Yeah. Ray already, I think, gets that. I, th- I think. I think in the Last Jedi we see her already at that level, um, and and much like I talked about with Kanan, that reluctance of like I'm not the one, I'm not the chosen one. Right, whereas both Anakin and Luke are being told by these other people like you're important, you're special, you—the hope of the galaxy is in your hands—where Ray is very much like, no, it's not me, and she believes that it's Ben. She believes that if Ben can be turned back to the light side, that he'll tip the scales, right? Um, and it, it like it's that like that there's that difference that I think makes her a slightly better example of a Jedi than 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 Luke. Um, And, and where we see Luke end up, it, it makes a lot of sense, but, um, but yeah, like this, this moment, this rejection of the darkness, this rejection of, of, um, of power and, uh, I, uh, what's the word then we were dominance, uh, all of that stuff, like he could kill Vader in that moment in the same way that Anakin could have killed, uh, uh, Or like he says it. He even vocalizes it. He's like, no, it, he should, he should. Like we, I shouldn't kill him. This isn't right. This isn't the Jedi way. And then Palpatine's like, oh, it's he, he, he took your, your hand. It's only right that you would want revenge. And and Anakin just buys into it in that in, in that moment and and kills Dooku. And and here's here's Luke. Uh, he could very well give in to and you see mark hamill's performance is so good and we talked about this when we were talking about uh i i i the the the, sorry the prequel trilogy in terms of uh hayden's performance as well um they both i like i hayden gets a lot more uh guff for his performance than mark hamill does but people often talk about mark hamill is like yeah he's luke skywalker he's not really that great of an actor he's just that character And to me, it's like, no, he's like Mark Hamill is a fantastic actor. He's just I don't think he's ever been used as well on screen live action as well as he was used in Star Wars. Um, And this and the moment the 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 performance on his face when he is about to kill Vader is so good because he does transform. He's a different he's a different person. Um, and he like he looks so different just visually the anguish on his face the anger um, he's not pretty whereas like I th- I actually think that Mark Hamill is a fairly like soft feminine boy uh, mm. like he's got he has a very like like schoolboy look to him <laughs> but in those like in in the couple of moments where he does lose it. Um, that disappears, and it's so funny because there are three moments with it. There's the moment when Vader tells him that he's his father, and his face just like melts into that anguish. There's this moment that we're talking about in Return of the Jedi, and then somehow Ryan Johnson managed to get it out of him in The Last Jedi, and obviously Mark deserves some some credit for bringing that back as well. But the moment when he's about to to kill Kylo right or Ben when he when he raises the lightsaber. Um, in, in the one version of the vision and we see his face and it's like it's that Luke again it's the Luke that was about to kill Vader um, and I just love it because it, it, it whether you're talking about the prequel trilogy the sequel trilogy or the original trilogy I think it all hinges on this moment and this moment rippling through time rippling through our heroes um, and their choices and 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 um who does what when they're confronted with this same trial over and over and over again. And it kind of, it lends itself into the idea that balance isn't a thing that is achieved. And then, and then you're done, you know, like, like, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, you know, what, wash your hands of it and walk away. And, and I think that that's the lesson that Luke fails to learn and ends up paying the price for in, in between the, the trilogies. But, um, it, it is very much I think if you look at the whole saga to me that is it's, it's I think it's why I don't like Palpatine being the big bad at the end and being the ultimate evil that gets destroyed because that doesn't make any sense because there'll just be another evil that pops up because it's a cycle and it's going to repeat through history but the important thing is to pass down the lesson the The tragedy of Anakin Skywalker informs Luke Skywalker's decision. Their story informs Rey's training and her path, right? And it actually also ultimately informs, or and it should have informed more. That's why I think that Anakin should have appeared in Rise. Uh, it should have informed more Ben's return to the light, right? It, it like those 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 moments should be like they should echo clearly throughout Star Wars. Um, and and it it is just it's so central to me. Like this whole thing. And it, it it's funny you say the 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 lightsaber fight is is um, underrated, but it's not underrated. But it's kind of underappreciated, I think. Mm, it's like yeah. everybody will tell you like if you go, like what are the what are the top 3 lightsaber duels in Star Wars and people will give you like oh yeah, probably like duel of the fates, return of the jedi and I don't know, maybe somebody will give you something from the sequel trilogy, but I I don't know how many people actually would. They'll probably give you maybe the maybe Empire, right? Yeah. And it's like like it's up there, it ranks up there high, but I think it's taken for granted. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think because it is sort of for a long time for for twenty years it was the best example that we had of what of what a Star Wars fight looks like, uh, what a lightsaber battle is. It was it's like well yeah that's what it is. Right, um, and we've lived with it for so long it's sort of the template upon which Battle of the Heroes or Duel of the Fates or any of them are built on um, and yet like, it, it is it, in terms of emotional context I think it stands head and shoulders above any other lightsaber duel in the entire saga um, even the one that I'm going to talk about as, as my final moment um, which, which is my favorite duel but, um, but yeah it's, a. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, pivotal to the whole thing. Um, yeah, I don't want, I, I, I have a hard time because it, 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 it the prequels and this st- and the original trilogy all work so well to reinforce what I'm talking about. And then I, I want the sequels to fit better into that. And maybe over time they will, but, but it's I I, I want to talk about it, but at the same time I don't want to talk about it because I know I'm also just I haven't spent enough time with those movies yet, right? Mm-hmm. I think like all of us need to sort of realize. Rise hasn't even been out a year, so so the jury, in terms of the the long tale of Star Wars, the journey is the jury is still out on on where that falls, and eventually I think it'll reconcile itself for me. But there are certain elements destroying Palpatine. It, 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 Palpatine was destroyed in the moment that follows this one, um, and and it it takes away from it uh, to have him come back in my opinion. But but uh, I but yeah, it it I just wish that this stuff was more central to the sequel trilogy and as a whole, and i I include the Last Jedi in that because I think the Last Jedi focuses in this respect way more on the prequel part of it. Um, and, and the Anakin Skywalker Palpatine uh, uh, the, the old Jedi as opposed to Luke's journey specifically Luke Luke intentionally avoids his own story a lot in The Last Jedi because of the, you've talked about it a, a, a little bit ago, you used to do like his brokenness right? Like, uh, I, and it's like there, there, there is there's that element to it but anyways uh, we're, we're on to our last or do you have anything to add to that? I talked for a little bit there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, I mean, I love that moment, too. I mean, I kind of pulled myself short. I would have normally picked that moment as well. Yeah. Um, I like it more than the duel um, <clears throat> because of its emotional uh, clarity. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to add to what you said. Um, so so I'm going to just give my last one. Sure. Go for it. Um, and, and it's I don't know that I would say it's my favorite moment. From all of the rebellion era, but it's up there, and it's it's, it's a very simple little one, and I call it uh, this the surprise dinner guest on Cloud City, and it's that moment when Lando brings Han, Leia, and Chewie to Vader, um, and betrays them, and the re- and honestly, like you just gave all this great depth to your last moment. I don't have that for this. Yeah. It's just it's just that moment that I've always loved. It's so short, but it's so powerful. Because as a kid, I I've, I've, Han Solo has been my favorite forever. And I've always wondered, what would happen if Han Solo went up against Darth Vader? Well, there you go. Not much. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they're on different stratas, right? Like, it's, yeah. they're, they're not even in the same class. Right. For sure. But the thing I love about the moment
0: is it, really what it, I mean, I, I really like it because it's, a, to me, a great Han Solo moment. Where we do, what would Han Solo do? Of course, the first thing he's going to do is pull his gun and just start shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of great still shots of this moment where the way he's kind of got his arm back. And I love the way you pointed this out, by the way, from the Kessel shootout with the the dynamic of the way Han and Beckett stand compared to Lando. I just never even thought of it. That was awesome. But uh, again, he kind of goes into that crouch. But if you look at a lot of the pictures, he's kind of got his arm back like he's protecting Leia. Yeah. Um, some pictures have him holding her hand, but like it's in that moment that he is, he's fighting to protect the people he loves. Um, and something that just made me think of is, is even in that Kessel shootout, once Chewie comes out and picks up Lando, the very next shot we see is Han shooting, but he's got his arm behind him. Like he's putting it around Chewie and Lando. Mm. So again, when Han sees people he cares about threatened, he instantly goes into a self-defense mode. Um, well, not really self-defense, but other defense mode. Yeah. Um, so I just, I love that moment. I mean, you didn't see it really coming, I would imagine, the first time you saw it. No. Um, and it just, it, and it also just continues to cement Vader's badassery, as we've seen throughout that movie. But it's yeah. just, even, a bl- he can just deflect blaster bolts with his hand. I mean, he's so powerful in that moment. Um. And uh, you know, and and I, and it's kind of a heartbreaking moment too, where it's just poor Han is just like, can I trust anybody? Right? Like <laughs> Han, Han's journey in you know A New Hope, and then up to this point in Empire is him learning to really trust other people outside of Chewie. And he, you know, he he does say, oh, yeah, I don't trust Lando, but blah oh, blah. Well, he doesn't like the Empire, but you know, in a lot of ways, it's like this is this is going to really the biggest thing that this is really hitting Han in the hitting Han in the gut with more than just having to face down Vader is how will he stand up to somebody betraying his trust again right yeah. and, uh, and he doesn't really fold in on himself which I really like so in a very weird way that's just one of my favorite moments I still love it it's uh, Empire is my comfort food, so it's. I'll put that on in the background more than any other Star Wars film. Yeah. But this is a moment that, like, no matter what I'm doing, you perk I like. I run myself and park myself in front of the TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's mine.
1: Yeah, it, it is such a great moment, and it is one of those things where it's like we've lived with these characters for almost two movies at this point. I, I, if you're going chronologically in, and, and you know so much about Han and who he is, um, and. And you're right. Like it's just it exemplifies it so much, and it's so natural that he doesn't miss a beat. The doors open, and he just blaster out in a flash, and he fires off. I think he fires off three shots, and then Vader pulls the the blaster, and like the the, the counter to to um, to Han reacting perfectly and shooting first uh, is Vader. Not missing a beat, not standing his ground, not even being remotely flustered. And he just (laughs) says, we would be honored if you would join us. (laughs) (laughs) And then Boba Fett walks in and the stormtroopers. It's yeah, it is such a great moment. And it also it's a I I think there's a robot chicken robot chicken sketch. Yep. That is like the moment right after that where it's like, did they have a meal right after that? Um, Yeah. I uh, and uh yeah it's it's just it's one of those great movie things of like we're gonna cut away so that we don't have to answer this question um, but it, it also then leads into the into the torture scene um, and one of the one of the things that I think makes Han such an endearing character is when they they drop him and and uh, and Leia grabs him and 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 she's kind of uh, uh, taking care of him for a second there uh, and I uh, And he, and he turns and he goes, they didn't even ask me any questions. Like, and you know that like, there's a, there's an element there of Han being like, I didn't even like, I didn't even get to not betray you guys. (laughs) Like, like, I didn't he didn't even get to have his hero's moment of, of like, like Poe does where he says to, where he says to Kylo, he's like, you need to rethink your technique, right? Where he's defiant in the face of, of this incredible uh, power and evil in front of him they like he's denied that by vader and is just made to suffer because that vader doesn't need him to talk he's just bad yeah. he's just the yeah. cheese in the mouse trap, right um which is a kid i never understood it wasn't until i was older that i realized like oh that's why luke has the vision it's a it's a it's a back to the future quote actually you're not thinking fourth dimensionally of like (laughs) vader knows that like that that luke from three days ago is gonna feel this right like he's he's manipulating fate essentially right yeah um yeah that whole i mean empire's just so good it's just so good
0: i I, i've never thought about that way in like in a weird freaky way i mean i've always liked the torture scene which is all sorts of messed up i joke about it all the time on the on our show (laughs) um but I've never heard that. Pers- I love that perspective you just shared about how Vader denies him even that heroic moment. That's yeah. brilliant. Like to me, that line, I love that line. They never even asked me any questions. To me, it's always just been his confusion of like, what is yeah. going on, right? Yeah. Like he, he's just trying to understand what's it, – it, it, to me, it, I like it. My interpretation of why I've always loved that line too is, is it's a very human moment of just like sometimes why do we suffer? right yeah. like yeah. this sucks like what what's going on I don't yeah. understand it but I love how you take it to the next level of even Han like who has trade doesn't get to stay like I didn't give up anything yeah. right yeah so he's yeah, just Yeah me- it's
1: it, it's just it, it it goes to the 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 fact that Vader is on a very specific mission at this point um, and I, a lot of people I think will say like Vader's on the mission of of capturing luke for the emperor i don't think that's what vader has has in mind at all i think from the right. moment that he and the comics have done such a good, great job of of expanding on this from the moment luke uh vader discovers that luke skywalker the son of anakin skywalker is responsible for destroying the death star from there on out his sole purpose is to recruit luke and destroy the emperor it's yeah. is to get revenge for what the Emperor did to him, uh, and and I'm really hoping that the current Vader storyline is going in this direction to get revenge for Padme, right? Like I I don't I don't know if that's where they're gonna go with it, but they, that story is I haven't read it yet. I just know like what everybody's talking about with it, but I really hope that that's the direction that it's going. Is is in Vader discovering that that and for them to confirm what a lot of people theorize, which is that Palpatine. Was like siphoning energy off of Padme in order to keep Vader alive. I have a personal different theory for why Padme dies, but but I know that a lot of people think that. And I and I, I with the decisions that they've made in order to uh, retcon and and it really feels like Disney wants to like rectify a lot of Star Wars. Like like that's like the story group. I think just in their construction a lot of their goal is to, like, oh, well, like they did with Rogue One, which they did successfully, of, like, why is there this glaring flaw in the Death Star that all it takes is one torpedo to blow up a space station, right? And it's, like, and then you write Rogue One, and it's, like, it's this perfect idea of, like, well, it was put there on purpose, dummy. <laughs> right? It was sabotage <laughs> yeah. from the inside. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, they're, they're searching for all of those types of things, but... Anyways, that's a digression. That's a whole other there's a whole other topic to, to discuss, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that it would be really cool to have all of that come together so that we understand what Vader's motivation is in empire and Jedi. Um, but, but then we need some story in between empire and Jedi to understand why he's a little bit resigned to Vader or to, to Palpatine always being his master. Right. Like it's kind of, yeah. cause he's, it's kind of up and down with that. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's uh, it's just to say that there's more great story to tell. Um, and yeah. Charles Soul does a pretty good job. He does a pretty good job. There's some of his stuff that I'm a little iffy on, but, but uh, for the most part, he does a pretty good job with those comics. Um, cool. I guess this brings me to my final moment. Yeah. And my final moment is in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and uh, as I alluded to before, it involves Obi-Wan Kenobi. It also involves one of my other favorite characters, uh, from Star Wars, which I would not have said a few years ago, but, uh, but I realized very recently, uh, Darth Maul and I, uh, I look like Darth Maul is a character that, uh, in his, uh, inception was not meant to be anything more than a monster, a a villain, right? Uh, and, uh, and yet, uh, with Dave Filoni's help and obviously George's influence, he has become one of the most complex nuanced and interesting characters in the entire saga um, and his death is my favorite moment from star wars rebels it's my f- one of my favorite moments from the entire saga i it's it's not as central i don't think but it is sort certainly like thematically it, it it's actually almost like the the dark version of of Luke's story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's, man, I'm like this, a lot of this stuff is like, it's still very fresh. It's still only the last couple of years that we've had to talk about this story. Um, and, uh, and, and it's one that I haven't talked about a ton on, on different things. So it's one of these things that I'm still discovering new things every time I talk about it, but, but it is very much Maul. Maul has a vision for the galaxy in the same way that I think that that Luke is, is, is I mean, Luke's vision is kind of given to him. I guess this is the same because Luke's vision is given to him by uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda. It's like passed on to them of like of, of bringing back the Jedi Order, of destroying the Empire, restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Maul has a vision of the galaxy um, under his control. Right. And that is very much like the, ant- the, the antithetical dark side version of it. They want actually the same thing, which is they want an end to conflict. But but Maul believes that the end to that conflict relies on him having absolute power in the same way that Palpatine feels that like if he has absolute power, he can control the galaxy. And if he controls the galaxy, he can he can bring an end to conflict. Vader also expresses the same thing. Right. Like that is it's the trick of the dark side of of this idea that that power is going to give us the ability to stop people from suffering. Um, And and Maul carries that with him through the Clone Wars, obviously with season seven. And this is why I say like it's really hard to 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 coalesce all this stuff because season seven just happened and we just got we're still missing pieces of Maul's story, but, but we just got that major chunk of it um, uh, that, that needs to be integrated into this thought process. But, but he he was trying so hard and had so many kicks at the can to, to fulfill this vision and eventually falls from grace, however that happens. Again, we're missing that chunk of the story um, until he finds Ezra and then uh, sees an opportunity and attempts to Make Ezra his padawan, right? Uh, his his apprentice to, to to fulfill that. They, and again, like Maul's still thinking, if I can just do this, I can overthrow Palpatine. I can I can I can take what was rightfully mine, right? Um, and it's not until he confronts Kenobi on Tatooine that he he realizes the, the error of his ways. and unlike uh, I, some of the other stories that we've gotten with some of the villains, Vader gets redeemed obviously. it's central to the story. Ben gets redeemed in a way. Uh, I mean he gets redeemed, but it's sort of it's uh, again, I don't want to get into rise stuff but but Maul is like truly in the, in his final moments, um, he's redeemed, but not by his own actions, but by Obi Wan's. And I, this is one of why it's one of my favorite moments because it doesn't just bring a close to his story, but it actually um, it it sets the table for Obi Wan's sacrifice, which which he is not that far off from at this at this point in the story. Right. Um, I firmly believe that that without that moment. Of closure between him and and Maul, that he wouldn't have had the clarity that he needed to know what to do for Luke in that moment on the Death Star, but it is because of of that compassion and um and the understanding of who Maul is, uh, and it's in that moment when Maul is like he will he will avenge us and and Obi Wan rather than argue with Darth Maul in his last moments, he just agrees right like he just lets him go because he because he realizes oh here's another one here's another one just Mm -hmm. like anakin i hated maul i i i you know like he like i think that obi-wan lost sight of himself because of darth maul and it's one of the reasons why anakin is allowed to fall because of everything that happens with maul and Satine and all of that that Obi Wan's focus is split, and he becomes a warrior instead of a Jedi in those final moments of the Clone Wars. Um, and it's not until he sees Maul dying in his arms that he that he realizes, oh, this it's Palpatine, and the most dangerous thing for Luke is this influence. It's not it's not being killed or whatever. It's being discovered by the Emperor. Um, mm. that's the thing that he needs to protect him from the most and it's and it that then goes into Empire when they're like you cannot go to Vader you have to complete your training unless you complete your training you are a full Jedi master Palpatine is going to get you right like and that's fear and ultimately they're wrong but because they because both Yoda and obi-wan are giving into fear but, but it's all kind of part of that. It's, it's this is one of the reasons why Palpatine is such a great villain because he just sews it in everybody, and it never goes away, right? Um, but yeah, like like the the it's there's so much meat on such a small moment, and by all accounts it shouldn't work. It should it sh- it should be over the top. It should jump the shark. Darth Maul and Obi Wan Kenobi fighting on Tatooine in the moments before A New Hope is set to begin, should be dumb and we should all hate it. And yet Dave Filoni told the perfect story that closes off Darth Maul's story and and, and informs that Alec Guinness Obi-Wan so much and, and why he is so resolved, I think, um, in A New Hope and, uh, and, and able to do what, what needs to be done. So that's why it's in my top moments.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's a, it, I mean, it's so iconic now. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, when I was looking, you know, obviously so you sent me your list before I put mine together. In a weird way, I didn't even compute that this was Rebels. Cause I was like, I was, cause when I first looked yeah. over your list, I'm like, oh, I'm surprised Mike doesn't have a Rebels moment because you love Rebels. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I like, wait a minute, this is Rebels. <laughs> To be fair, I, to me, this moment is better than anything in Rebels, which to me almost makes me divorce it from Rebels because it's yeah, for not sure. really about them. I mean, very brief. Yes, the majority of the episode is Ezra wandering, but this moment is not about Ezra. This is about Obi-Wan and Maul. And I just, yeah, that perspective of, you know, the, when, when Obi-Wan goes from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness is when Maul basically threatens, like, you're here... You have a purpose here yeah is it someone and that's when he springs into action and and the the knee jerk reaction is to go into general kenobi mode
1: yeah form three he goes into the pose yeah
0: and then he pulls it back up in and and uh, and i'll be honest when i first watched the episode i was super disappointed like that was the fight (laughs) but you know it, it took 24 hours to be like no that was perfect it's right. it's yeah
1: it's it's this it's a samurai battle right it's not it right. isn't it isn't a swashbuckling Robin Hood sword fight like so many of the other lightsaber duels are this is a true samurai yeah. battle and one of the things about the, about the way of the samurai and 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 the way that samurai are trained to fight is that you have the battle a thousand times in your mind before you even draw your sword. Right. Yeah. Like that's, and that's the key to victory is, is, is in predicting your opponent's moves. It's a chess game. And you see it. And, and Filoni, uh visualizes that perfectly in exactly what you talk about. He starts in form three and then he moves, he moves briefly out of it into more of an Obi Wan style from A New Hope. And then he settles in into Qui-Gon's pose like he kind of moves I think he moves a little bit into like a form one or form two and then and then he settles in exactly the position that Qui-Gon was in right before Maul killed him then he baits him because he's baiting him yeah and Dave Filoni yeah. talks about this so I can't take credit for for catching this this was sure this is taught to us by the master right but um it, it, yeah he he does that because he knows if I do this so he's already had the fight a thousand times in his mind. If I do this one thing, I know that Maul's ego will not allow him to act in any other way. Yeah. So he's outclassed his opponent, right? He's he's completely outmatched him. Knowing that like he probably can't keep up the fight for long enough to actually defeat Maul, right? Mm. But that if he puts Maul in the position to do what Qui-Gon should have done a moment that Obi-Wan has relived in his own mind to his detriment a billion times, right? What, how could I have saved Qui-Gon? How could Qui-Gon have saved himself? And so he knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what, what Maul's going to do and exactly how to counter it. And he does in one stroke. It's, I think it's two moves. He kind of blocks and then, and then slices through and that slice is a and it's the it's a perfect samurai moment because there's no blood, nothing is severed or cut or anything. Maul just falls. It's just a killing blow, and we yeah. don't need to see where it hit. We just know that it is. We just know that it's perfect. Um, and yeah, that's why that's why I always say this is my favorite fu- lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars, because the Jedi are supposed to be samurai, and so much of what we see of them is not samurai. It's it's Star Wars. It's a lightsaber duel but this is two of the most highly trained wisest uh experienced fighters in the entire saga coming together in a moment and 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 perfectly executing or at least they both think they're perfectly executing their moment right and and Obi-Wan just has that edge on on Darth Maul just that extra bit of perspective and it's not his ability yeah. to fight it's not his martial prowess it's it's his wisdom which is a part of suffering (laughs) right it's a it's a byproduct of his suffering of the things that he's been through so it's uh yeah Yeah. it's a big one for me
0: yeah and you know obi-wan obi-wan kind of wraps it up perfectly by saying look what i've risen above (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah he's not he's he's not the same kenobi he fought all those years ago in the clone wars and then even years before that on you know in theme so
1: totally cool let's really quickly get to our uh, our, our listener moments uh, over on facebook uh martin allman says once again too many to choose from and then he says kidding this is from our prequel one he said that there were too many to choose from and i called him out for it because um, that was not what i asked i asked what's your top moment uh, and, uh, and he does get to it I think my favorite moment from the OT is the binary sunset it might be a simple and obvious choice but it really is one of the most mu- beautiful moments in the entire saga the iconography is fantastic the music perfection it doesn't get more Star Wars than the binary sunset and I, mean, I can't disagree with this I, th- I, th- I think that Marty nails it um, there's a reason why it's echoed so many times throughout the entire thing um And then over on Twitter, uh, Drew Brett of Clashing Sabers Network, at the Drew Brett, says this whole dang moment, and this was on Twitter, so he had a gif of the beginning of the Battle of Scarif. And uh, it's funny, neither one of us had a moment from Rogue One. (laughs) It manages to make it in here uh, through the listeners. So uh, thank you for that, because that is, I will say, for all of my um, uh, distaste. It's not that I hate... Rogue One it's just like there's just some things about it that kind of leave a sour taste in my mouth for all of that the Battle of Scarif is the best space battle in Star Wars I think it just it, mm. it, it, it just barely edges out Return of the Jedi but I think it's so good it's so well done and it's from the jump literally that's a pun Uh, When, which is the moment that he put of the of where we've got the camera like docked on the X-wing sort of thing, yeah, as it comes out of hyperspace in over Scarif, and we see everybody else jumping in around it. It's such a great moment. Um, It's so good, and then the rest of that battle. Clear objective. I, I. charismatic pilots even though we don't get to know them it's so important that they be charismatic that in those few brief moments that we get with them that we connect with them and that we like them um and uh and just some great great choreography flying in between stuff and the the hammerheads crashing into the star destroyer and smashing it into the shield uh it just yeah it's a great it is a great battle it is a great great battle cool well I think that's it. I think we did it, Carl. Yeah. I think we did it. We did. I awesome. I thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Obviously, I, uh, we appreciate you sticking through with us. This this was a it wasn't one of our longer episodes, but I think that we we, we pulled a lot of meat off the bone. We did some good work, yeah. uh, Carl. If people want to continue to listen to you talk at length about Star Wars, where they where can they do that?
0: Uh, we're uh, the Wampus Lair podcast you can find us on the Star Wars Report website starwarsreport.com but uh, we're on social media at Wampus Lair, Facebook Wampus Lair podcast, we have an Instagram now Um, so we are out there easy to find on Spotify all the great places
1: Yeah, definitely check out the Wampus Lair I don't listen to a ton of Star Wars podcasts but I definitely listen to the Wampus Lair so uh, you guys should too um, awesome. Uh, well, you guys know where to find me on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Uh, and uh, with that, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.